Right now, I pray for every person in this room. For those in the lobby, for my friends in overflow. I pray today is a day of breakthrough, a day of deliverance. That moment where that deep settled thing that has brought desperation in their life, that it gets settled today. I declare over this room that, that our hearts are open to your word, that our minds are ready to hear and to learn, and that our wills are ready to make decisions according to your will. We give you praise. We love you, Jesus. It's all about you. It's all about you. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Last week on Easter, we um, started a series called Encounter. My heart's desire is that every single person that comes to harvest has an encounter with the Lord. An encounter with Jesus is life-changing. Literally, it is life-changing. And I'm afraid a lot of people have gotten just so close, but just stopped just before the fullness of the encounter. And not to say we can't receive from the Lord, but when I'm talking about an encounter, I'm talking about a face-to-face with the gospel, the healing power, um, breakthrough power, the love, the grace, the mercy of Jesus just right there in our face in such a way that, that our lives are, are never the same again. It doesn't mean we're going to be perfect, and I'm not talking about perfection. I'm talking about what happens on the inside with a relationship that leads us in such a way that over time our desires change, our lots of things begin to change in our life. Turn with me to Luke chapter 17. Luke chapter 17, in the early service I told them to turn to Matthew 17, and they did, and I started reading from Luke 17. So I'm going to just go ahead and tell y'all where we're going to be, and you can just go ahead and get there. This encounter today, we're going to see 10 people that have somewhat of an encounter with the Lord. We're going to see one that has has a, an encounter with the Lord that, at a depth that the other nine did not have. And see the beauty of what the Lord can do when we find ourselves in a place of desperation. I told you what we're going to do is look at encounters Jesus had with different people. We're going to learn from them, and we're going to learn from this one today. And they're, they're, for our note takers, there are going to be three things I'm going to give you throughout this message that I think that we can learn from this passage that will make a big difference in our life. If you are here and you find yourself in some place of desperation, I think in some ways we all find ourselves there at some time or another. I think the key is that when we find ourselves in desperation, that we go to the right place. And number one is let your desperation drive you to Jesus. 
Look at this passage with me. Now, on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into the village, ten men who had leprosy met him. The reason that they met him at that point was because they were not even allowed into the village around people. There was a certain distance that, uh, that these lepers had to keep away from people, and anytime they approached someone or someone approached them, they had to cry out, unclean, 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 to keep people away. And so they find themselves, maybe it's a leper colony, I don't know, but it's just outside the village, and they've gathered, and Jesus now is walking into the village, and, and he catches their attention, and they actually catch his too. And so they, at this point, see him and begin to cry out. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, as loud as a leper could call out, because their voice is totally affected by the leprosy. Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, go show yourself to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and he thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except for this foreigner? Then he said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. I think we all will find ourselves at des in desperate places from time to time in our life. And when we find ourselves in a desperate place, it will, desperation will drive you somewhere. It will drive you somewhere. And that's the reason I said, let your desperation drive you to Jesus. Because he's the only one that we can drive to, that desperation can drive us to where we find healing in his presence. But so many times we find ourselves being driven by desperation into maybe a place of, of drugs. Maybe a place of sexual immorality, trying to fulfill some, some emptiness inside of ourselves. So it drives us to those places we don't want to be. And the problem is that this, this thing that drives us, here we are at a place of desperation, and if you turn, if, if you turn to drugs to hide that thing, to try to take care of the desperation, all it does is create a greater desperation, and that thing begins to snowball, because you, you first, you're desperate, so you You've got to do something, so you start with the drugs, then the drugs then begin to control you and take you into a greater place of desperation, and suddenly now you're at a place where you're doing things you never thought you would do to prop up your habit because desperation led you to the wrong place. And so now you're possibly selling your body to get money to be able to buy the drugs and maybe possibly you're stealing from your own family to get drugs and maybe you're stealing from your neighbors without them knowing what's going on to be able to buy your drugs and there are things that you never imagined you would do but when we turn to the wrong place in desperation I promise you all that's going to happen is that we will become more desperate and then when we get more desperate but we've turned the wrong way, 
then suddenly lives start to fall apart, families start to fall apart, people start to fall apart. And the funny thing about this, these people in, in, their, in their desperation, they didn't care anymore about who had the most money. They didn't care about bank accounts. In this little group of ten men, there could have been some of them, and they all had lives before leprosy. See, see, many of you, you had lives before this point of desperation that you're in right now. You had lives before that. But you found yourself in a place of desperation, and in your mind, you already see that your life is never going to be the same. And some of you have already begun to think that because my life, my life will never be the same again, you've been thinking about checking out. You've been thinking, not waiting on God to check you out. You've been thinking about checking yourself out of this world because desperation has made you think that there is no hope for a future in your life. All of these men had, had a life before, and they probably came from various status, financial status. Maybe some were rich financially, some were poor financially. Maybe some had a social status, and, and others didn't have any status socially. Maybe some of them were at a place where their life was good. Maybe they were married, maybe they had children. Who knows what they were? But there's something about, even this, and Jesus called this to attention. Jesus said this man was a Samaritan who would not ordinarily have anything to do with Jews. Because you see, when you get desperate enough, racism doesn't matter anymore. If you can help me, I don't care what color you are. If you don't, if you can help me in this mess that I am in, I don't care where you come from. I don't care what your last name is. I don't care what country you're from. I don't care about your skin color. What I, what I need is to know that you can help me in my desperate situation. And I think maybe the problem we get to is that we're, that sometimes we're just not desperate enough to go where we need to go to get the help we need to get. You know you're desperate enough when, when shame cannot keep you from running to Jesus anymore. You know that you're desperate enough when guilt can no longer control your thinking and your decisions and your will and shame no longer controls your will. You know. You know that you're getting desperate enough when, when you look in and you know that people are going to talk about you, and you know some of your crowd, when you tell them that I went to Jesus, and Jesus changed my life, you know that they're going to make fun of you. You know it. Well, I remember when I came to Jesus, I had an uncle that, that betted that I wouldn't make it a year. And I'm glad, he's, I'm glad he's still around to see that I've made it not only a year with the Lord, but 35 years. Yeah? Yeah. Not because I didn't try not to. <laughs> I messed up a lot of things a lot of times, but Jesus is so beautiful. But in desperation, you don't care anymore. I'm not, I'm not afraid to, to say I need Jesus in my life. Shame is gone. Guilt is gone. When you're desperate enough, you want an answer. And whatever that is in that answer in Jesus, then here I am, Lord, I'm ready. I'm ready for it. Let your desperation today drive you into the hands of Jesus. What's going on in your life? And you may say, but, but I haven't hit rock bottom yet. You don't have to hit rock bottom. It's what's desperate enough for you. See, I want my desperation to be really, just really tiny. 
I'm, I, desperation for me is, uh, I don't know. <laughs> I want to be so close right there that, that I, I sense desperation if, if I haven't talked to the Lord today. I don't want to have to wait until I'm a drug addict laying in a gutter somewhere and, and sticking needles in my arm. I don't want to wait that long. You don't have to wait that long. But if you have waited that long, there's help for you and there's hope for you. But I don't think we have to wait that long. Where is your desperation? Get it really close. Get it really simple. And if you're here today and you say, Bud, my desperation is that I just, I am lost without God. I'm a good moral person. I haven't done anything wrong. I don't stick needles in my arms. I don't pop pills. I don't prostitute myself. I don't do those things, but I'm a sinner lost without God and I need Jesus. That's desperation. And that's where Really and truly, we all want to get to. The effects of leprosy, let me mention this, created a horrible desperation. Leprosy had such an effect on the body, deterioration of the flesh. The flesh would just literally start to come off of the body. Sores would come onto the body. The limbs, uh, arms, limbs would just begin to twist Fingers and hands would be mangled to the point that the fingers were useless. The worst part about it, though, from a physical sense, was the fact that the nerves died. And, and as the nerve endings in the body began to die, they could no longer feel pain. How many of you know that though we run away from pain, and though we try everything we can to never experience pain, sometimes pain will save your life? See, God created in us the ability to feel pain because the ability to feel pain says, don't do that again. If you never felt pain, you can put your hand on a stove and fry your hand and then do it again and again because you don't feel pain. Pain says, here is a place that you don't want to come again. When Jesus changed his lives, that's one thing that would be really good for us to remember because a lot of times after you've been saved a while, you forgot how much pain it was when you were making those terrible decisions you were making before. And when you forget about the pain that you were going through then, you go back into it again only to experience that pain again. So keep a memory of the pain that being without Jesus caused. But they experienced this. They could, they could sit at night in one of their places wherever they would huddle and rats could literally eat their fingers off without them even knowing it was happening because there's no nerves in their hands. That's the shape they were in. So when we see these 10 men coming to Jesus, we're not looking at 10 men dressed like you and me. We're looking at 10 men whose bodies were mangled, their limbs were twisted, their flesh was coming off. They may not have even had a nose. They had to wear a guard or a, a, a scarf on the lower part of their face. Their, their voice box from the nerves and everything dying. They didn't, when they, when it says they cried aloud, it was, it was more like a, hey, kind of a loud, not a hey, kind of a loud. You, you see what I'm saying? And so they would stand there and cry, but that's not the worst part of leprosy. Leprosy had a social side, an emotional side that was even worse. Some of you, when I'm talking about these things, 
Let me, I'll just let you know what's going to happen. As I'm talking about some of these things, the Holy Spirit is going to nudge you at points to say, you may not have, you may not have leprosy physically, but, but he's going to show you some things going on in your life that will relate. Does that make sense? Emotional, they were outcast. They were socially outcast. They could not be around people. And can you imagine being a man and not being, not being able to be around your wife or being around your kids, people that you love, people you care for, and because of this disease, it separated you? Emotional separation. And yet I have seen what happens in, in those who find themselves in a place of drug addiction to where all they can think about is getting the next drug and they can have a wife and they can have a kid or they can have a husband and they can have a kid in the same home, but they can't even see them. They're feeling lonely because the one thing that has so got a hold of them is the leprosy that is in their heart, not a physical leprosy. And even though they're physically, geographically there, they've checked out. Some of you know the pain of that. Some of you live with that. It doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be. They were outcast. They were made to feel guilty by religion. Listen to me really closely on this. They were made to feel guilty by religion. Because religion told them the reason you are lepers is because you sinned. And so now they're walking around feeling guilty that they've got this physical disease because some religion told them they had sinned, and that's not a whole lot unlike today. Religion has a way of just keeping constant heaping of guilt and guilt and shame and guilt and shame and guilt and shame without ever giving you an answer for deliverance. Jesus is the answer for deliverance, and he's not a ticket to heaven. Jesus is life. Secondly, number two, let gratitude drive. Let gratitude drive your praise and worship. Did you notice this guy? He's what they all turn. Now, I love what Nikki said earlier. Jesus didn't just say, okay, guys, your your leprosy's gone. They had to take a step of faith. Often we're waiting for God to do something when he's waiting on us to do something. So often we're saying, God, why don't you take this away from me? And he's saying, why don't you do what I told you to do? Would you just take the step of faith? I've already done it. It's already fixed for you. All you've got to do is take the step of faith. This was already settled for these guys. It was done. It was a done deal. All they had to do was turn and step, and they did, and their leprosy was cleansed. Ten men, their leprosy was cleansed. And a lot of times we, a lot of times we look at this as if when Jesus said, well, why didn't the other nine come back and praise me? And we look at them kind of from a critical standpoint. But we, we ought not do that because aren't we much more like the nine sometimes in our life than the one? Don't we ask him for things and never give him credit, never go back, oh God, please, would you do this for me? And then when he does it and we never once go back and get on our knees and say, praise you for it? We're probably much more like the nine, so don't get too critical on them. Don't come down on them too bad because these nine men, in their mind, they just got cleansed. This is a physical thing, a physical healing. 
And in their mind, some of them, the first thing on their mind is, I'm going to run and hug and kiss my wife for the first time in who knows how long. Some of them, I'm going to run and after they go to the priest, then they're declared clean, then they can run, and they want to get all this done as fast as possible. Some of them want to go just to hold their kids again. I mean, you can't blame them for just wanting to hurry and get this done. But it's the hurry and getting it done sometimes that keeps us from having a true encounter with Jesus. They got a physical healing. They did. We live in, a, in such a physically, a physical world focus. Um, and, and, and the world, unbelievers, that's all they got. You listen to me? If you don't, if you don't know Jesus, you don't have a, you, you really don't have the hope of, of what we have in the spiritual world. And it's not a hope as in we hope it comes someday. No, it's now. It's not. Getting saved is, trusting Jesus as your Savior, getting saved is not about just quantity of life after you die. It's not just about living forever after you die. It is about the quality of life that Jesus wants to give us now. He wants to give it now. But our mindset, because we're so physical world focused sometimes, is, is about physical healing. Most of the time when we ask somebody to pray for something, think about the last 10 times you asked somebody to pray for something. I guarantee you that probably most of it was for somebody's physical healing. And I'm not saying we shouldn't do that. I'm just saying, do you see where our mindset's at? It's about physical because we want to live in this world as long as we can live. It's a physical world. We want to live in this world with quality of life. Nothing wrong with that. Jesus wants to give us that. But there's another world that we have to be able to see. And, and that's the one that brings the encounter with Jesus. These other men, they had somewhat of an encounter. They experienced the power of Jesus, but they didn't get to come and experience the, the, the presence, the, the intimacy that one can have with Jesus. And that is a life-changing encounter. Not just physical. He could heal physically all day long. But what's most important is what happens in here. And he's well able. He's well able to do it. Number three, embrace your new identity. Now listen, this guy came to Jesus. And, and I, I kind of picture this as, as his gratitude's driving him. As, as he looks, he sees himself healed. In the first moment, these other guys are thinking physical world, probably. They're thinking physical world. They're thinking husbands or uh, wives. They're thinking children. They're thinking friends. They're thinking parents. They're thinking physical world. But this one man suddenly was brought into a reality of the spirit world. He realized that what just happened to him did not happen just because of a presence of a physical world or some magician who was able to do something in the physical world. He knew that this one, what happened in Jesus, what just happened to him was something that had to have a, a connection to, the, to God, to the spiritual world. 
And so at that moment, he turned and went back to Jesus and cried out with a loud voice and began to praise him. His gratitude drove him to praise. Has gratitude ever driven you to just exuberant praise? Has it, has, have you ever had such a revelation of what God did to you that you just couldn't help but just to... And I'm not talking about just in a building. I'm talking about by, by yourself. I mean, I'm fairly tame in this room. But uh, get me when I'm by myself. Man, me and Jesus will cut the rug. Why? Why, why am I doing this all the time? I mean, why are we sitting here and we're listening to worship songs and, and I'm, just doing, I'm just doing this as, as an offering of praise to Him? Why? So you all will see me and think I'm spiritual. No. To try to train you all and manipulate you into doing what I'm doing. I don't care. It's just the fact that I was lost. I deserve to split hell wide open. I should be dead. And yet Jesus loved me and he saved me. He gave me life. He didn't just give me a stamp that says you get to go to heaven one day. He gave me a personal walk with him right now. He talks to me. I talk to him. I've got his word. He gave me authority over the enemy. He gave me intimacy with him. I just can't help it sometimes. And I think that's where this guy was. It was like, man, look what he did. Before I can go and level my wife, before I can go and level my children, before I can see my parents, I just got to go to the one who changed my life, and I got to praise him a little bit. And so he went, he praised him, and he fell at his feet in worship. A Samaritan fell at the feet of a Jew. Race didn't matter. Actually, Scripture will tell you that that Christianity or that believer, followers of not Christianity, there's so many lost people in Christianity, so many unsaved, mean, hateful, devilish people in Christianity, followers of Christ. True followers of Christ. That is a race. And within the race of the follower of Christ, there is no other race. The race thing is something that the world does. Not us. Not us. In the kingdom of God, there is no black, there is no white, there is no brown, there is no anything except for children of God. Let me, I gotta hurry. Let let me, let me get this. Let me get. Number three is I embrace your new identity. And let me tell you, man, this is so important. Learn to live with it. Just live with it. Have you ever had anybody tell you that? Just learn to live with it, man. Well, I'm telling you, learn to live with your new identity. Because the world is going to try to keep you. People will try to always remember you in your old identity. 
People like to find you at your worst. Take a snapshot of that and keep you there for the rest of your life. And some of you let them do it. Some of you let their talk keep on keeping you where you used to be. And you know you're not that person anymore. But they yap, 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 yap. And you just keep listening to it and listening to it. And it makes you feel guilty. It makes you feel ashamed. And you wish you had never done it. And I'm just saying, get over it. As nice as I can. Your new identity. This guy, can you imagine him going to a meeting? And standing up and saying, my name's Bob, and I'm a leper. After Jesus did what he did in his life, you're not a leper anymore, Bob. See, the world wants to keep you in your old identity. They want to keep you in your old place. They want to make you think that you're a drug addict for the rest of your life, that you're an alcoholic for the rest of your life, that you're a prostitute for the rest of your life. What I want you to know is when you begin to embrace your new identity and you stop telling yourself that you are that old person and you start telling yourself that man in the mirror, you look in the mirror and you say, get over it, buddy. You're not that anymore. You are a new creation in Christ. You're not that. Tell your mouth what happened in your heart. And get your mouth to start talking about what Jesus did when he found somebody like you desperate and you cried out to him and he changed your life. And then not only did you experience on the outward, but you went on, you pursued, you got close to Jesus and Jesus said, go, just get up and go. You're well. Your faith has made you well. That word well. See, the other words mean physical. It's a physical healing. But this word goes to the deeper part. This word goes to the heart. This word goes inside. He means you're made whole. The other guys, they're cleansed, they're healed, praise God, but you have been made whole. You are the one that came close. That's the encounter I'm talking about. And the identity... You have a new identity when you come to Jesus. How many, uh, all, all my realtor buddies, raise your hand. How many of my realtor buddies are in here? Get them, get them up there. Get them up there. All of you. Okay, everybody look around if you need to buy a house right here. And I don't care what company they're with. One of the things that when, we, when we're working on a contract that we have to do with our clients is get a disclaimer signed. And the disclaimer says, Bud as a, is a professional in, in real estate only. But if you have questions concerning a roof, environmental hazards, uh, water disposal systems, foundations, and a thousand other things, then you need to hire a professional in that area because he's not. Jesus doesn't have to come and get a disclaimer signed to say, uh, guys, I just want you to know, now I'm pretty good at healing bodies. 
But if you have emotional issues and if you have psychological issues, then you need to go to a professional. Oh, wait a minute. What professional? Well, a professional who's been trained in the wisdom of the world. Oh, do I want to take my new heart and my new mind and turn it over to someone who has been trained to get that out of me, to take what the miracle that is happening in me and get it out? Okay, that's too much for some of you. I see. We'll just. <laughs> he changes you inside. He gets down inside of there. His word, there's so much in his word. There, you know what? You could save. A, you, you would be surprised how much money you could save if. Oh, mm, you'd be surprised how much money that you could save on a lot of, on, on a lot of things. Man, I'm talking about on, and I'm not saying, oh, bud, you're about ready to get yourself in trouble. So I want to get in here close to you while I do it. <laughs> when we're born again, we become a new creation. Not just outside, but inside. And suddenly there's a new you. And that new you is ready now to be transformed. But in our society, and, and you got to understand, I'm, see, Jesus doesn't do disclaimers, I do. you got to understand what I'm saying here. I am not saying that there is no place to ever go for, for counseling. I'm not saying that there is never a time to take medication. I'm not saying that there is never a time to, to, have, uh, to, to go to support groups. I'm not saying that. Here's what I want you to know. We live in a society today where it is fashionable to have problems. And it is even more fashionable to talk them to death. To do nothing but always talk about your problems. And so you get a problem, what do we want to do? Well, we want to take 20 other people with that problem and put you all in the same room. And then we get into a, a big issue because everybody wants to have the biggest problem. So I have to make my problem a little bigger than your problem. So therefore, my, what my genuineness, my desire to be genuine and truthful now has, has done anything, is anything but genuine and truthful. Because now I have so exaggerated that, it, that I can't even hardly tell what it is. But I've had to exaggerate it because I need people to think I'm genuine. And you're not genuine if you don't have problems and your life is not falling apart. So if your life is not falling apart, you would got to at least say it is so that you're genuine. And I'm telling you, when Jesus heals, he can heal on the inside. There's nothing wrong with going into a group. Go in as the healed one telling other people that you know the healer and you know how he can heal them. But quit. Thank you, Lord, for stopping me on that one. You have a new identity. You've been given a new identity. When you, when, when you come to Jesus, when you have an encounter, when you come to Him and you have an encounter with Him and you believe on Him, you've been given a new identity. You are no longer what you used to be. 
Oh, I'm just a sinner. I'm just a, I'm just a sinner. Oh, I'm just a sinner. Get your mind off of sin. Get your mind on Jesus and you'll find that you sin a lot less. We've been trained up in religion to always every day just try not to sin. If you've been trained to always try not to sin, you're always going to sin. But when you get retrained, and that's where the Bible comes in. Boo. Oh, man. I want another 30 minutes. The Word of God. Let me tell you something. We pay a lot of money to people to do things for us only to find out that they can't fix the problem when free or $35. You can get the Bible and you get into the Word of God and you get into a church that teaches you the Word of God. Doesn't just scream about sin all the time. Get into the Word of God. They'll tell you about your new identity. And when you find out who you are and you realize the Word of God is alive, it's sharp as a two-edged sword piercing to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, you find God will change your life. He will change your life. He'll change you from the outside in. And suddenly my, my new identity... Who am I now? I'm a new creation in Christ. I am the beloved of God. I've been made righteous through his blood. I'm the righteousness of God. I'm more than a conqueror. I'm victorious through Jesus. That's who I am. Who are you, bud? I am a child of God. I have his blessings. I am the blessed one. I have his favor. That's who I am. That's who you are. That's your identity. The devil been lying to you. I said, the devil been lying to you. It's, it's enough. Are you desperate enough? To say, Jesus, I'm ready. I'm ready. Bow your heads with me for a minute. I'll catch my breath. If you're here, you need right now. You say, bud, I'm desperate enough. I need Jesus. I want Jesus in my life, and I don't want him in my life in 15 minutes, or I don't want to wait till tomorrow. I want him right now. Anybody? Just raise your hand. I want him in my life now. Right this second. I am ready. Maybe, maybe all of us in here are believers. God bless you. God bless you. I want him right now. Right this moment, from right where you are, God bless you. God bless you. Right now, I want Jesus. There's at least five people in this room that say, I'm at, I want Jesus now. I want him now. I don't want him later. I want him now. I'm desperate enough. I want him. I want freedom. I want Jesus now. Will you pray this prayer with me? And Church, will you pray out loud with us? Because these precious ones are going to pray, and they're going to pray out loud, and they're going to receive Jesus, and we can offer support as we pray out loud with them. Jesus, thank you for drawing me to yourself this morning. I'm desperate for you. And my desperation has driven me to you. Right now I release everything that's bound me as your blood sets me free. I release my sin. I release addictions. I release hatred. I choose to forgive. I receive you, Jesus.
into my life right now. I am a believer. I'm a follower. I'm one of yours. I'm a child of God. I'm victorious. My sin is gone. And you're my Savior. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. God bless you. Y'all get out of here and go to kids' stuff. You're dismissed.